MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, August 25th, 2020. As you know, we are on vacation this week, but we will be back Monday with full throated news with swearing for your listening pleasure. But for now, we have compiled. Uh, just little vignettes of interviews or good news blocks that we really like and we think are relevant to today. So please have a listen, enjoy, and we will be back on Monday. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, today, I am talking to former assistant director of the FBI and author of the upcoming book. It's available for pre-order now called The FBI Way, Frank Fagluzzi. Frank, thanks for talking to me today. Always a pleasure. Thanks. So I've had a litany of... Uh, intelligence and counterintelligence guests on this week with the main goal of trying to get at the heart of the secrecy uh, that's happening right now with the intelligence about the Russian interference in the 2020 election and some of the uh, challenges that Democratic lawmakers are facing about thinking about unilaterally releasing it without getting anyone's permission. And so I, I, th- this is kind of what I wanted to speak to you about today, because I know you're an expert in counterintelligence as well, and the FBI. So what are your top line thoughts about this? Well, first of all, I'm glad I'm glad we're talking about it, because it is, in my opinion, it's the hottest topic going right now, which is that someone else other than the U.S population wants to pick a president for us. And that that should piss everybody off. Um, And I wrote an article on this last week, uh, published in the Daily Beast. Here's the deal. I think the American public, the American voters need to know a whole lot more than they currently know about foreign efforts to influence our election. Comma, however, I don't want politicians getting mixed up in this. So here's my thought. Um, Foreign adversaries are trying to mess with our minds on how we vote. And we need to know that generally. And then more specifically, I think we need to regularly be briefed as a public on specifics on what this looks like and what we can do about it. However, these calls in the House and Senate almost entirely from Democrats to say, well, you know what, if I don't if I don't see specific briefings given to the public, I'll do it myself. Uh, Senator Warner uh, not ruling out the idea of reading from the Senate floor classified briefing material. Um, I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan of that. And and here's why. (laughs) I, well, look. Yeah, he's going to we, we, we call it Mike Gravelling it, if you will, um, who famously read the Pentagon Papers into the record. And I think in a grounds and gardening janitorial committee meeting or something like that, but read read the Pentagon Papers into the public record. Yeah, this is famous. Early 70s, uh, you know, guy stood in the well of the Senate and read classified material. And and look. I'm not ruling that out. And I could be on your show, maybe if you'll have me in two months and say, my God, it's time to it's time to I changed my mind. It's time to read classified material publicly. But I'm telling you that right now and I'm I'm in touch with the intel community and the counterintelligence community right now, there is an established pipeline to the House and Senate, our elected representatives. They are getting the nitty gritty details. It's blowing their minds to the extent to which at least three, if not more foreign governments, are messing with this election. Um, and and even more importantly, we are getting, I don't think anybody's paying much attention to it, but we are getting weekly briefings from an office, a little known office inside the DNI, which handles mm-hmm. counterintelligence. And there's a guy named Bill Evanina. He's, a, by the way, he was a career FBI official. He's a counterintelligence professional. He's not a politician. He's in charge of counterintel across the community. And he's providing fascinating public material. It's just that I don't think people are really paying attention to it. 
Well, what's up, though, with his kind of uh, equating the China interference in 2020 to the Russia interference? At least that's what I'm understanding. I don't know if that was his report or not, but that's what is coming out of, I think, Politico, that um, Avenina's uh, intelligence briefing sort of puts China on the same level as, as what Russia is doing. And I think that that's dangerous. Sure. We, we cannot, as far as I know, it would be a grave mistake to draw an equivalency between what China is doing right now to our election and what Russia is doing. And this has come out, though. You, this is the thing where Americans got to pay attention. And we're we're terrible at paying attention. Lord, you, know, only, you, you only need to refer back to the COVID virus and, you know, nobody's wearing a mask. And there you have it for attention paying. But but. You know, there's no equivalency so far. What we're hearing about this regarding China is that, look, they're not thrilled with Trump. And so what they're doing is they're creating some fake accounts, but they're they're saying things in the accounts like, hey, Trump hates China. He's bashing TikTok. He wants to he wants to cancel TikTok. You know, he doesn't like us on trade, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, we kind of like this guy, Biden. Okay. That, that Those are fake accounts doing that. They're not, they're not saying this is China. But then let's move over to our good friends, I say sarcastically, Russia. Mm. Russia's committing crimes. Ru- Russia, and, and I don't know this because of any special uh, sources I have. I know this because, you know what? I'm reading the material that's coming out publicly from the counterintelligence executive, Bill Evanina. And... And they are so here's if you read the July, I want everybody who cares to read the July 24th press release from the DNI's office, from particularly from Bill Evanita's office. Here's what he says. Uh, yeah. And it's all, you know, you got to read. But this is crafted very carefully. Um, the Russians, you know, there are foreign governments who are getting into the personal communications of the candidates and their campaigns. Holy Cow. Like, like, you mean their phones and their emails? Really? They're, well, okay. And he says, um, we've, seen ha- we've seen hacks into the infrastructure of state and federal election entities. Oh, my God. Okay. And, and, and then he says, you know, there's social media propaganda. Um, and then he, gives, he ends with some good uh, news at the end, which is, it's a clue. Hey, the diversity, which I call chaos, of the American election system, which is county by county, state by state, everybody's different, everybody's got different equipment, makes it really hard to change the vote on, in a broad way. Okay, so I, I, if you read that line by line, it'll curl your hair, but, <laughs> but you know, there's kind of a happy ending at the end. He's doing this now, and I happen to know this is the, the desire to continue. He's going to do this on a weekly basis. So I have to ask people who are demanding, including Senator Warner, who are thinking about releasing classified on the floor of the Senate, what are we going to do with that? Think about that, A.G. So in, in 9-11, I'm going, going way back to 2001, if you were in the intelligence community, you started getting briefings. I'll never forget getting this briefing, and it was coming fast and hard. We're about to get attacked. President George W. Bush got the briefing. Sir, we're about to get attacked. Okay. Well, the intel community decided that's really vague, and we aren't going to go public with it. In fact, George Bush kind of went, okay, thanks. You know, give me another cup of coffee. So now, looking back, if we had gone public with that, and think of the chaos that would have ensued, hey, American public, um, we've got some solid, cla- highly classified intel that the big one's coming. We need your help. Can you help us? Well, okay, the phones would have rang off the hook with, you know, the brown guy next to me is a terrorist, which, by the way, we got we got anyway after 9-11 happened. Uh, we were inundated. But maybe, just maybe, somebody would have called in and said, you know what? There's these guys who, like, sleep all day and, and are up all night, and they don't talk to anybody. And they're asking about um, crop dusters and chemicals. Maybe that would have come to us if we appealed to the public. But here's my question to you. AG, we come out and say, um, we're under attack right now, our election. 
And um, here's what it looks like. There's some social media propaganda and there's some attempts by the following countries to do this, this and that in various elections of states. What what is what is the public going to do with that? Well, I'm going to use it to win arguments on the Internet, Frank. No, um, I, <laughs> no. What I would do, honestly, what I think is important here, and and you know, if if Mark Warner wants to do something, at very least, he should be reading these um, counterintelligence press releases to the public in a press conference every week to get it out to the public. But if you could show Americans some examples of what social media manipulation looks like, maybe more people will recognize it and not succumb to it. You know. Okay. All right. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. And by the way. This, this is actually, I don't think we need to I don't think we need to release the classified, you know, methods and sources and all that stuff of how we got this information, because, yeah, you want to keep that classified. Yeah. But once you have the information, like just like the Mueller report did, but it just never got out on a big platform, you know. So first, let me say this. Um, some of this is happening already, and this is back to the not paying attention part. Um, read, read the releases from Evanina and the reporting out of his briefings. And you'll see that he's talked about uh, propaganda coming, and it's Russian, on the virus, right? They, they're on the virus, and the virus was created by man, and blah, blah, blah. And all of this goes towards twisting up our minds on, on, on Trump and others and, and all of that mess. But also, you and I differ on only one area, I think, which is I don't want that level of detail coming from my politicians, because by definition, they're they're politicians and they're going, I, do you want to hear it from Warner or do you want to hear it from somebody else? And as soon as it comes out of a politician's mouth, it's going to get the taint of, oh, well, it's being twisted for a cause. I want to hear that just like my, my coronavirus information. I don't want to hear it from Pence and I don't want to hear it from Trump. Okay, I can I can agree with that. Then have Avenida come out and give a press conference. Right. Am I saying it needs to be on TV? Releasing a press yep. release isn't yep. that's you know, I I understand that a lot of uh, people in this country don't pay attention, but you also have to like, you know, if you if you maybe make it more accessible, I guess than it is. I'm, you know I'm, I mean? with, I'm with you on that. If it comes out of the career professionals' mouths, not not even the DNI, certainly not the Attorney General. Lord help us, but. I want to I want to also share with you, as I said in this uh, Daily Beast piece last week, the the hand wringing that's going on on this topic within the counterintel community. So here's the here's the deal. Think about this. It's complicated. Um, they say um, this here. Look at this post on Twitter right here. This is the Chinese. Well, they're not. You know, this isn't black and white. They. It could be the Iranians pretending to be the Chinese or the Russians pretending to be the Chinese or vice versa. Or so the attribution question is huge. Secondly, sources and methods. The minute you go public with something, you're essentially saying, yep, we're blowing our source on this. And and much like after 9-11 with the Al Qaeda chat rooms and websites, I, I was part of this discussion. Do we take down this chat room? It's Al Qaeda. Well, we have an undercover agent in the chat room. If we take it down, we lose our access. Oh, okay. Well, have they talked about violence yet? Have they gotten anywhere yet? Do we leave it up, right? Do we go to Google and Facebook and Twitter and tell them? I say absolutely, amen. And by the way, I feel that that's happening because look at the record number of accounts being taken down these days. So there, that's happening. But you can get attribution wrong. You can give up sources. You can get a human source killed. Um, and then if you do it every day, like Mario Cuomo briefing us every day from New York on the coronavirus, right? Okay. Uh-huh. Now the Intel community becomes the arbiter of the election. Everybody tunes in every day. Well, was it more Russia today or more China today? Was it more Trump today or more Iran today? Where's North Korea? And now they, they're, they're, they're in, the, in the grasp of repeating the debacle of 2016, which was that the FBI and the intel community decided to go quietly, to not interfere with a campaign. We're going to quietly, unobtrusively investigate the, the, uh, the Trump folks tied to Russia. We're going to send some sources in. We don't want to be accused of messing with the election. How'd that turn out? Awful. <laughs> Awful. And either way you look at it, Comey, Comey is a disaster to both sides. And, you know, we're getting, the FBI is getting bashed every day. 
So you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. It's complicated. But I know this. we got to leave it to the career professionals, and we need to demand some answers and demand assurance that the FBI and the intel community is at least, number one, talking to our elected representatives, and yes, they are. Number two, talking to the Silicon Valley providers, and I believe they are every day. And number three, um, talking to the states, county, and counties when they appear to be targeted. I hope to God that that's going on, and I believe it is. That fourth element that you really are raising is the public. And that's right now coming in the form of at least weekly written press briefings. You and I are kind of agreeing we need to hear much more details and probably not in writing. Yeah. Um, we, we know how the Mueller report went. So, um, well, thank you. Thank you for talking to me about this today. I was really interested in, in sort of that, you know, because I know that you've been working in counterintelligence for so long and you've got, you know, you, you just you view it through a different lens than I do. So I appreciate you shining some light for us today. Can you tell everyone where to find you on Twitter and how to pre-order your book? Oh, on Twitter, I'm, I'm at Frank Figluzzi one. And then if you want to pre-order my book, just go to the FBI way and you will find it on HarperCollins, Amazon and anywhere you buy books. Awesome. Look forward to reading it. Thanks a lot for coming on today, Frank. Thanks, AG. Thanks for having me. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Today's episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by the wonderful folks at BetterHelp. Life is pretty uncertain these days. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a global pandemic. Unemployment is rampant. And, you know, we're just very uncertain about the future. If you're struggling with any of these or other issues keeping you from enjoying a full, happy life, I recommend trying BetterHelp. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. They'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in less than 24 hours. You know, I've dealt with trauma and PTSD myself. I'm a huge proponent of seeking help when you need it. BetterHelp's services are available for clients worldwide with a broad range of expertise in their counselor network, a lot of which might not be locally available in your area. The best thing about BetterHelp is that you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if you want to. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. So visit their website and read testimonials like this one by BetterHelp user BR, who says of their counselor, Josh was sympathetic, kind, and knowledgeable. I lost my mom suddenly, and instead of opening the conversation with what problems I had, he asked about her and my family and my life before trying to help me. It was a breath of fresh air to have a counselor who wanted to hear me. I wasn't with Josh long because he gave me the tools I needed very quickly to help me get over my anxiety. I highly recommend recommend him to anyone, and I'll be using him again if I need him. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. That's Better H-E-L-P. And join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. So Deutsche Bank has launched an internal review of a real estate deal that took place in 2013 between a company partially owned by Jared Kushner or Kushner Companies and an investor in Kushner Companies and three employees of Deutsche Bank, including Rosemary Vrablick. And joining me today to discuss uh, this story is uh, somebody who wrote the story and author of the book Dark Towers, Deutsche Bank, Donald Trump and an Epic Tale of Destruction, David Enrich. David, thanks for speaking with me today. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, we you know we had John when the book came out. Figure yep. we bring you back since you are the Vrablic expert, in my personal opinion. <laughs> I'm I'm certainly the Vrablic obsessive. Uh, <laughs> she, she has been my great white whale. Yeah. So you, you and Jesse Drucker wrote this piece for the New York Times. How did we find out about this real estate deal? Well, Jared Kushner on late on Friday night, uh, he and Ivanka Trump each released their annual financial disclosure forms, and these are things they do every year that disclose in over scores of pages, hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of individual financial transactions that they've done in the previous year and all their different assets and how much income they've made from those assets. And, you know, these things don't change all that much from year to year. And I give my colleague, Jesse Drucker, credit here. And he is so familiar with pouring over these things day in and day out that he immediately noticed that there was a new basically a new LLC that had been added to this long list. And it was called Burgle 715 Associates. And that just immediately jumped out to Jesse as 
something that you know it hadn't been in, in the previous year's disclosures. And just a little bit of quick internet searching <laughs> led us mm-hmm. to sh- see that one of the transactions that Burgle 715 had recently done, or at least it came up re- in recent Google searches, was with Rosemary Bradlick. And a little more digging through public records showed that Burgle 715 had sold an apartment to her and a few of her, a couple of her colleagues back in 2013. And that's a pretty surprising situation. I mean, there's, for a number of reasons, and it, it was weird to begin with that Bradlick had gone in on buying a Park Avenue apartment in Manhattan, along with two of her colleagues, both of whom were her subordinates. So that, that had struck me as weird. And I'd seen that years ago, just as I was doing due diligence on Brablick, um, and had never really been able to make heads or tails of it. But the stranger thing was that a company that was at least partly controlled by Jared Kushner was selling Manhattan real estate to his banker at the time. Uh, which is not, that's a real no-no if you are a banker to be doing side personal business with one of the bank's clients. It creates a very real potential for a conflict between your personal interests and the bank's interests. Um, yeah, so. especially if you're lending millions of dollars to that person or, you know, at least the vehicle at the bank that's doing that. And here's a question for you. It, what do you think prompted Deutsche Bank to look into this or say that they're going to look into this transaction? Or Because, I mean, you know, you just said Jesse Drucker was pouring over these things. That stood out to him. They were looking, you know, he was looking in there and just a couple of quick Google searches and you were able to see that this was yeah. weird. Um, do you think that, that uh, the Deutsche Bank looking into it was a product of y'all finding out about it or a Kushner uh, disclosing it or... And then, of course, what prompted Kushner to disclose it differently from how he had in the past? I mean, are there do you think there might be some other sort of outside forces, you know, that that are because these guys tend to not fall into line and report their shit unless something uh, prompts them to, oh, we better get this down on paper so it doesn't look like we were covering it up. Yeah. I mean, look, with Deutsche Bank, I can tell you that Drucker called me Saturday morning, was all kind of worked up and excited about this. I quickly got very excited, too. And later on Saturday, I called the bank and I said, look, I've got to tell you what we found and I want to get your comment. And the guy I was talking to on the phone there just burst into laughter. Like He couldn't believe what he was hearing. And so this is the first time the bank the bank says this is the first time they had heard about when we brought to their attention. Uh, it's always possible, especially with Deutsche Bank, that they are, that's a lie and that they already had known about this and are just pretending to be surprised now that it's being brought to the public's attention. I, I'm inclined to actually believe them, though, that they didn't know about this. And why is Kushner disclosing it now? Again, it depends on whom you believe, I guess. And Kushner, first of all, it's worth noting, has a track record on these financial disclosure forms. And I think this is the fourth iteration of them that he's filed. Uh, and they routinely have inaccuracies or just, you know, mistakes that need to be sorted out after the fact. There there have been inconsistencies uh, on different things he's disclosed from year to year in the past. And so it's possible that it was a mistake not to have previously disclosed his interest in this. What we understand from talking to people familiar with Kushner's finances and from talking to the Kushner companies is that this was the disclosure on Friday was triggered by the fact that two of the units in uh, this Park Avenue building that Burgle 715 uh, controls were sold. And that generated um, somewhere between one and five million dollars of income for Jared Kushner, and that's what triggered the reporting requirement. Um, so based on that, if you take that at face value, the this is just kind of like an, you know, a random set of events, basically, that mm. Kushner, this reporting requirement got triggered, Kushner reports it, Jesse Drucker is amazing and saw this, I call Deutsche Bank, and then that triggers an internal investigation. Now, you know, that's, that's probably the most probable you know, scenario. But I think we've all learned over the past several years, not that sometimes weirder things are afoot. And it's certainly true that Deutsche Bank and Kushner right now are both under a tremendous amount of pressure 
to come clean about some of the stuff that they've been involved with in the past. And then we just, we got a fresh reminder of that today. Uh, we're now learning that the New York district attorney is conducting a criminal investigation of potential bank fraud and insurance fraud as it relates to the Trump organization. And that relates to Deutsche Bank. So there's a lot of pressure on all of these parties to be being more transparent, seeming more responsive and more accountable. And I certainly think in the case of the bank invest launching this investigation of Rablick that they are taking pains to at least appear publicly as mm -hmm. if they are turning over a new leaf and are trying to be a much better behaved and you know less sketchy institution. <laughs> well, because that was my thought too. It's like I didn't think you know we had the the House three House committees. One of them had subpoenaed Deutsche Bank and Capital One, but that is now sort of on hold. Um, but we did have the Vance. Um, investigation, which you just brought up, the Manhattan District Attorney, uh, who's trying to get the Mazar's documents, and we know Deutsche Bank's all over those, and it looks like he's, to me, he's probably going to win that case. But, you know, who knows? We don't know. But again, you're right. You know, it just seems like, <clears throat> uh-oh, we might, you know, be in the spotlight here again. Let's try to cover our, early. like you said, give the appearance of looking legitimate and not at all weird. And so you've discussed, though, you've talked about Vrablik in your book, um, The Dark Towers. What other connections does she have to the Trumps through Deutsche Bank? I mean, Vrablik is basically the reason that the Trump and Kushner families and companies have access to the modern financial system. And she both, and in particular, the Trumps, and they were off limits to the mainstream banking world as recently as 2011 because of their, you know, very well-pronounced pattern of loan defaults and uh, bankruptcies. And Kushner, who had, in the Kushner family had been longtime clients of Ravlik, first at Bank of America and then at Deutsche Bank when she arrived there in the mid-2000s. And Jared Kushner married Ivanka Trump in 2009, and then in 2011 brought his new father-in-law over to meet Vrablik at Deutsche Bank, and they really hit, the two really hit it off, Trump and Vrablik, and that became the basis for the kind of reintroduction or rejuvenation of the Deutsche Bank-Trump relationship. And soon Vrablik's division at the bank, the private banking division, started lending hundreds of millions of dollars to uh, Trump and his company, and also started making very big personal and business loans to to Kushner, his family, and his company. So this is, Vrablik is the most important person in the universe of the Trump-Kushner kind of financial world, I would say. And she, she is the person who single-handedly has provided them and their companies with and several hundred million dollars over the past several years. And, and, you know, we've seen some weird real estate transactions with Trump. Um, you know, if you think about the Reblovlev purchase of that mansion yep. and the resale of it. But here, here you do say in this article that there's really no evidence that you can find now yet that that this property was sold to Vrablick and her two associates for less than market value. And there's nothing terribly odd about them turning around and selling it for the profit that they sold it at. Um, but, you know, I mean, still it's, it's, well, I would qualify that a little bit. I right. Mean, there's, there's, no, we have no evidence. <laughs> that was my question. Yeah, sorry. So, sorry. Sorry. To <laughs> no, you, you're uh, right. You're right. You're right. Uh, I mean, there's, I do think, look, it's a, they bought it from, uh, this, uh, and the Burgle 715 entity for one and a half million dollars. It's a small apartment and it's in a very desirable neighborhood on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, but it's a roughly 900 square foot, one bed, one bath apartment. And so it's not, that's not a price that's completely out of whack with um, prevailing real estate prices. It's a little unusual that they sold it so quickly. They made it a, a decent profit. The weirder thing though, is that in between buying it in uh, June of 2013, and then selling it in, I believe, October of 2015, uh, in, in 2014, so in between those two things, the the three bankers who had per gone on this purchase together transferred the property to another LLC that is that was registered in the home of Vrablick. And so there's something a little bit strange about the deed being transferred barely a year after the original purchase, and then you know, less than a year after the deed was transferred, it gets sold. And there's, so 
again, that's not at all evidence of wrongdoing or even a really suspicion of wrongdoing. It's a, it's a bit unusual. And, and again, what's extremely unusual is that a banker, especially a well, a reasonably well-regarded and very experienced banker like Brad, like, would first of all, go in on a real estate transaction with two of her subordinates. And that mm. is not something I've ever seen before. And it, it's something I know that some people at Deutsche Bank have, because these are publicly reported transactions. And some people had been, you know, they've kind of raised their eyebrows at what was going on there. And, and then for it to turn out that the purchase was from an entity, not only part owned by Kushner, but clearly publicly affiliated with Kushner. And the, the Burgle stands for is two families' names smushed together. And, uh, the second half of those names is from a very close family friend and, and longtime business partner of the Kushner. So it's a little bit of due diligence would have on, on Vravlik and her colleagues part would have turned up. I think that that's something that was connected to, if not owned by the Kushners. And, <laughs> and again, that's something that any experienced banker is going to know is, you know, at the very least should be disclosed to her employer, if not avoided. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's very suspicious to me, although I tend to be suspicious uh, of this family. But, you know, to, to, to buy it in the name of an LLC, transfer the deed to her personally, and then sell it where she gets the profits. And this is after Kushner's married Ivanka, and after Trump's been introduced, and after... Uh, you know, Vrablik's been helping uh, Trump get uh, all these loans that he should never have gotten. Uh, and who knows? And at a time that no other bank would do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who knows who co-signed these loans? I mean, I think I know, but we don't have that uh, proof yet. But uh, so, you know, here we are now uh, where it's now they've they've taken they took a deliberate step to put the property to transfer the deed to her so that she could sell it and, and receive the profit. Just uh, that seems a little suspicious to me, but you're right. It, let's just say everything's above board. It's just it just so happens this, just so happens that to do a to do a transaction with two of your subordinates with a Kushner tied, you know, partially owned company, that's raises eyebrows. And and uh, but I am surprised Deutsche Bank's looking into it. They don't see they didn't never seem to me like the type to look into something. So it, I feel like the fact that they are sort of lends credence to people's suspicions. Uh, yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I mean, I think there's, I was surprised that they said that. And they've done a very good job over the past couple of years of really circling the wagons around Rablick just because she's been in, under such an intense spotlight. And, you know, the last thing they, in the world they want is for her to get angry and feel betrayed and to walk off with all these documents that I'm sure she's got and and make a, she could make a huge public there be a, become a huge public nuisance for them, and so the fact that they are now not throwing her under the bus, but making clear that that's not outside the realm of possibility <laughs> is—I mean, that, that surprised me. Yeah, well, I mean, she says she makes perfect fall guy, right? Except, except for the fact that she has a whole lot of yeah. uh, information on a whole lot of important people. So. Well, thank you for coming on and explaining this to us. Everybody check out this piece in the New York Times. And of course, uh, check out the book Dark Towers uh, by David Enrich. And you'll, I, I hope you'll come back on once we, you know, we get any kind of uh, results or sort of uh, what De Deutsche, Bank's, Deutsche Bank uncovers in this, in this uh, investigation, this probe that they're doing. If we ever find out. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. We'll talk soon. It's my pleasure. Hey, everybody, it's AG. You know I would do anything for my pod pets. Listeners of the show know of the trials and tribulations of Bruce Willis, the podcat. His health and well-being is one of my top priorities, and that's why I feed him Nom Nom. Nom Nom was started by a small collective of pet enthusiasts who made a commitment to improve the health of dogs and cats everywhere. They set out to provide the very best nutrition and formulated breakthrough recipes with the help of a leading board of certified veterinary nutritionists and a team of PhDs. Nom Nom makes fresh food out of the absolute highest quality for dogs and cats. Every meal is prepared just days before it ships out. It arrives at your door fresh, and it's perfectly proportioned for your pet's dietary needs. You just tell Nom Nom a little bit about your pet. They'll create a meal plan based on your pet's age, breed, weight, and health needs. Not a calorie more, not a morsel less. Nom Nom is super convenient. Just open the pack, pour, and eat. Well, the pod pets eat, not you. 
There's no scooping, no sealing, no worries about over or underfeeding. Nom Nom is obsessed with every step of the process, too. They prepare and mix and pack everything with, with care in their own facilities. Their board-certified veterinary nutritionist is dedicated to researching and creating each recipe. Plus, Nom Nom ingredients are 100% sourced in the U.S. Unlike other fresh pet food, you can actually recognize the ingredients in Nom Nom recipes. You can visibly see the peas and carrots, proteins, potatoes, and more. I started feeding the podcat their fish feast, which is made with salmon and tilapia, and Bruce Willis loves it, and his coat is looking shiny. He's got a nice lustrous mantle. So switch to fresh pet food that's backed by science, and try Nom Nom today, and you'll get 50% off a two-week trial. So go to trynom.com slash dailybeans. That's T-R-Y-N-O-M dot com slash dailybeans for 50% off your two-week trial. All right, everybody. So today, uh, to go over the hot notes with me and to talk about some of the, uh, I don't know, big stories that are rattling around the, the mainstream media is, of course, from Twitter and the Narrative Podcast, who just had Jill Weinbanks on as a guest. You need to check out that podcast. It's LB, Lincoln's Bible. Hey. Hey, how are you? I'm well. I'm surviving. Yes, same. <laughs> LB and AG surviving. That's... Uh, we are, we're doing it with our initials. <laughs> I thought they would protect me, but they did not. <laughs> they do not. They do not protect anything. No. Oh, well. We still have to go through this. Yeah. Yeah, oh. they found me out. So, okay. So the breaking news right now is that Biden has picked a running mate. Somebody on Twitter, and I think I might have started a ruckus because somebody on Twitter was like, what would be a surprising announcement to you? And I said, a surprising announcement would be Michelle Obama. <laughs> but that's not going to uh. happen. And that's why it's surprising. <laughs> but everyone was like, oh, my God, is that is she a thing? Is that a thing? I'm like, no, 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 oh, no, no. Oh, I know. No, 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 no. It's so hard for, for to, tone sometimes is lost <laughs> in, in the process of Twitter and it causes problems. I actually brought that up a long time ago of like, well, if it was Michelle Obama, that would be the end of uh, Trump. So if, yeah. if everything was just about ending this and saving democracy, then that's where we would go. But I also think it's, it's, it would be nice not to have it be a, a Biden Obama, right? Like, let's, let's get a great woman in there. Hmm. Um, and I think I think that's I think we're down to really incredible women, and I don't know. I'm personally happy with anybody. I go for the mm. ham sandwich. Yeah, I, I don't care. Samesies. Let's please vote. Let's yeah. just go vote. Yes, and there's a hashtag. We have her back because no matter who it is, they're going to get a shitstorm of bots and trolls and yeah and, and bullshit. And you know, it's already started. People are like, Google this, Google that, and I'm like, No, I'm not going to. I don't need to. Uh. Um, yeah, it's and I'm pretty sure it's down to Harris and Susan Rice. But the funny thing was at let me see. I'm looking in my <laughs> in my messages to you this morning. I said yeah. at 11 a.m. I said it's an eerily slow news day. Biden should announce. <laughs> yeah, you did. You're like, I think we should. We should get something happening here. If there's not a great big, huge explosion of news every 15 minutes now, that's also the other side of it is like, unless it does happen immediately, people are like, make it happen already, right? Because I don't know why. Do we not know how to come down from an 11 and just sort of breathe for a little bit? So mm -hmm. um, we're also all conditioned to give it now, give it now. And, and there's so much pressure um, with these next, couple months, I feel like we can also all feel, literally feel the seconds ticking down to this um, election and um, want to get get everything on the table as soon as possible and, and really start up up the fight, right? Up it. Yeah. I think, I think that's good. And I, I, I think this is going to be uh, uh, whoever's on the ticket. It is going to be an election. I really don't think, I think in the conservative bubble, right-wing bubble, whatever you want to call it now, I don't know what that thing is, the Trump bubble. Um, I don't think that the folks inside that bubble understand that we might just put our own glass on the street and crawl over it so that we can say we crawled over the broken glass <laughs> to vote. They don't think they understand the the passion, the numbers, the numbers, you know, the people that are going to show up to vote for their lives. 
because we know mm-hmm. that that's what we're voting for. You can't come and attack Social Security now <laughs> and expect us to not get that. <laughs> we got it. We see what you're doing, and we're going to stop you. Yeah, he thinks his roundabout way, he thinks his roundabout way by canceling payroll tax uh, is, is sneaky and will never pick up on the fact that that's how we fund Social Security, Medicare. And then he said, no, no, no. He goes, no, no, no. No, it comes from the general fund. What the fuck are you talking what about? What are you talking It's like, what is this? Is that the laundromat? I think I put out a really, I put out, I can swear on your podcast, so, but I put out this really salacious. Is that, is that what he dips his dick into every 10 minutes? And this, is that the general fund? Like, because, and, and yes, I know what the general fund is, but it's not, he's speaking nonsense. He's, he's taking terms and throwing them into things. And this is Mnuchin we're talking about, yeah. in case people missed it. Yeah. But, you know, because all this, this guy's a racketeer. Yeah. This is it. He's part of a criminal enterprise, and they're just saying horseshit. Yeah, we're talking about the guy who divested his film corporation money laundering operation. Oh, I can't even. Full-on money laundering operation. Come and get me with that claim, but I'll stand by it. It's full-on. And he gave, it, he gave it to Blavatnik. He was like, oh, you know, well, I need to divest yeah. in the interest of not being a <laughs> shithole, so I'm going to give it to Len Blavatnik. That'll do the trick. <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, well, he had all Weinstein stuff to distribute, so why not some of Mnuchin? <laughs> um, yeah, this, we got problems. We got problems. We got rot. We're going to have to really spend some time pulling apart this rot. And we have, um, we have to get these other senators. We have to get these senators out. We have to also flip the Senate. It's just so important. Well, that was the other thing I wanted to talk you talk to you about, too, is because, <sighs> you know, the you know, we of course, we want D.C., Puerto Rico um, to have statehood so that they can have representation mm. that would give us the Senate. Um, and, you know, and of course, Republicans are like, they're just trying to trick you. It's like, no, we're trying to get representation to people who fucking pay taxes. That's what we're trying to do. That's right. Um, That's right. But the this this whole thing with Ron Johnson, oh. Russia Ron, Russia Ron, and he has written a letter saying, "I didn't get any of my information from Durkacz or Giuliani or Parnas or Fruman or Furtosh. I didn't get anything from them." Well, then you need to tell us where you're getting this from. And now we've got—we well, got it from a gangster. I'll tell you where he got it from. He got it from Durkacz, gangster. Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, so good luck with with threading that needle. <laughs> you know, you got you got it from a guy who was like expelled from their parliament on every level possible because of his massive money laundering uh, for organized crime. But Ron Johnson's denying that. He's saying he's not getting it from him. He's now saying he he's now saying he did. Well, you're talking about Dirk Hutch, right? Yeah. So, so there's some there's some stuff in here. This is one thing where I do want to say, you know, one of my sort of. One of my partners out there in understanding all this um, and putting framework around it is Eric Garland, who did the most amazing. He does the most amazing. He's on Twitter, and he did the most amazing lie. He does these live translations of, like, testimonies and things that are happening in courts or Senate testimonies. And he did one on the Flynn thing this morning that was – I mean, it was art. It was art. Um, But – uh, you know, so so someone like that really is someone, or or unk, you know, someone that can come in, or someone with former State Department experience as well, and help the audience sort of parse out the difference between a full-on Russian intelligence agent and what maybe a diplomat might be, and what that role might be, and what, <laughs> what right that's connected to the Kremlin. And there's subtleties in there, but get someone for that, and then what what a freaking organized crime lord is, right? And, and yes, it gets all blended in because they're all in business together. Um, they're all a leg of the same octopus. And so Ron Johnson can do whatever he wants to do in trying to parse this all out. People like me are going to come forward, and like you, and keep making it really clear to everybody. This is a criminal syndicate that's coming out of the Kremlin via Ukraine, that our senators, are, these Republican senators, are engaging in, right, and getting assistance from, they're getting intelligence from them, that's crooked intelligence out of the Kremlin, to smear a U.S. 
political candidate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, this is what they're doing. It's 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 Deza laundering is what it is. And it's it's Deza laundering. And so do you want to – I think it's fun to walk through that a little bit for people and just do the big pieces because this actually – it connects to Flynn. And it goes all – this whole thing, right, has been going on for years. But remember when Michael Flynn was like – taking the, like, Cohen and Sater, Felix Cohen and Mickey Cohen, um, Michael Cohen, Donald Trump's uh, personal attorneys, went to jail, um, (laughs) where, like, in January of 2017, I believe, they were sitting around in a hotel cooking up a Ukrainian peace plan. Mm. Remember this? Mm Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. and gave it, and Cohen gave it to Flynn, mm-hmm. and Flynn took it into the White House. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So the guy behind that, and his name is this big, long, Ola, blah, 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 Shaf, right? It's a big, long Ukrainian name, mm-hmm. right? So the gangster that helped them put all that together, right? It was his peace plan, working with Artemenko. Right on behalf of Artemenko, these are all people that were connected to the former Ukrainian president Yanukovych, who Paul Manafort worked with. Well, yeah, all the same thing. We know back from the Mueller she wrote days that Ukraine peace plan is code for lifting sanctions on Russia. I mean, that's what for lifting sanctions <laughs> that's on what Russia. the whole thing is. That's what that's what the whole thing is. This has all been about Putin and his mob. And, you, and his, using his intelligence services and, and, and their mobsters, trying to free up the money that has been being sanctioned so that it can come back into Putin's pocket. Yeah. He's very upset that his hundreds of billions of dollars of net worth are taking a ding in any way, shape, or form. Huh. So, um, so it's all being done through the proxy of Ukraine. And, and the corrupt politicians that, and, and gangsters that he controls there, that Putin controls there. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they went into the Republican National Con- Convention in, in 2016 and changed the platform. This is what this has all been about this whole time, mm-hmm. is Putin's money. Of course, 100%. It's all been about lifting that. sanctions. Lifting the sanctions. So that's the guy that, Ron, that's the guy that, that Johnson, right? And they did confirm that it that was working with, um, uh, with the, again, Russian intelligence services, yeah. <laughs> full-on spy, right? That's why Johnson is denying it. No, 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 I didn't have anything to do with Kuchik. No, 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 no. Because that guy was, his dad was a KGB officer, and he went to the KGB school. Yeah. He went to the spy school. So, he was a spy. So it's this guy where he's getting his disinformation he from. He made this big, <laughs> right, he made this, like, flow chart. And you know how Republicans like visuals. They like it because they can't really, they're too dumb to really grasp. They just want to do their grafting and grifting they're too dumb to kind of grasp the nuances they're too dumb to govern they can't be bothered they just want money and so they just want power that's it yeah please don't bother me with with your with your silly governing nuances um and so you know this guy this, this russian intelligence agent made a flow chart and gave it to johnson via his gangster and Johnson's like, oh, look at this. This is really, this tells the story, right, of, of Biden's corruption. Well, you just, you just are, you're taking stuff straight out of the Kremlin. You're taking stuff straight out of the Kremlin. Our intelligence services and, our, and other members of the Senate have been telling him, you can't, you're, you're using material from the Kremlin. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, but I want to do it. It's a flowchart. I understand it. None of it's true. None of it's real. They're saying they have tapes. Uh, like, we're going to trust tapes out of a criminal. It's all, it's all this horse shit, right? Mm. For what? For what? To protect Donald Trump? Yeah, well. Or, or to nah. protect your role right. in some real treason. Right. That's probably more along the lines. And Flynn, um, to get to some headlines today, did not fare well in court today. Uh, we We <laughs> didn't get a decision. Um, but the judges just laid into Sidney Powell and rightfully so because she's a garbage lawyer and she has no, she has no case. Um, right. 
here. You, it's Barr's case, by the way. Barr's the one who's you're right, pulling of course, this stuff of course. and telling him to go do this, right? But Barr even said, I mean, I get every time I mention Flynn, I get bot swarmed. Um, but you know, they're like, yeah, a Brady violation, Brady violation. I'm like, Barr, ah, ah, ah. Barr testified with his mouth to the Senate uh, that. There was no Brady violations and there was no Brady material uh, exculpatory Flynn information. They, he just think, thinks that Flynn, uh, Flynn's lies weren't material. And so, but they clearly were, and that wasn't what was up for debate yeah. today. What was up for debate today was whether or not mandamus was uh, justified, which it clearly isn't. And I, I'm, I've never been 100% sure about anything before with the courts, but I am 100% sure they'll rule in favor. Or they could... They could actually reassign the case. Um, oh, that's interesting. Uh, but I think it's 100% going to be that. Also, this just in, uh, Kamala Harris is Joe Biden's. It's Kamala. It's Kamala. <laughs> Kamala! Woo! Love that California girl. Yes. Love her. I love it, too. Uh, I, had, I had a feeling. I, I really did for a while. It just it felt really right. And you know what's fucking great? What? A.T., what's fucking great? Trump can't use the old, you know, Justice Dems, super progressive, she's a cop, (laughs) right? Because he's a law and order president. So fuck you with that. It's going to be, it's going to be great. I mean. Oh, yeah. She, she, she just members a lot of that stuff. She's really tough. My heart is singing. My heart is singing. Oh, yay. Yeah. It's good news. This is really good news. She's really good. She's really strong. Um, oh, my God. I can't wait for a Pence Harris <laughs> That's what I was just thinking. She's going to slay a Pence. Oh. Just bring out. Just, oh, bring, it's gonna just be amazing. take him to gay brunch. He'll fucking his head will explode. <laughs> and uh, that'll be the end of that. So we've got that news. And Big then news. also I wanted to, I also wanted to um, talk to you about some of the intelligence stuff and the secrecy stuff that you and I have talked about before, mm. particularly going on with the counterintelligence Russia uh, situation and Warner wanting to Mike Gravel it, as it were. But uh, I do need to take a quick break. Will you stay with me for a minute? Yeah, I'm here. All right. We'll be right back uh, after this. Stay with us. Hey, everybody. It's AG. And this segment of the podcast is brought to you by Helix Sleep. Uh, like many of us, and like many of you, the past three and a half years, we've lost a lot of sleep. Uh, I toss and turn all night. I can't get comfortable. I wake up with the night sweats. I feel tired and sore the next day. And my first thought was my insomnia was caused by this administration and the anxiety and the pandemic. But as it turned out, I also had a garbage mattress. So I went to helixsleep.com. So Helix understands that you're unique and they customize your mattress to fit you and the way you sleep best. You know, Jordan loves hers. She says it's like sleeping on a cloud. Mandy and Joelle love theirs. I love mine. Best mattress I've ever had. And I've had some really expensive ones. Uh, But these are amazing and, you know, just so incredible. They created this sleep quiz. Takes two minutes to complete. And this is what makes them so unique is because they know you're unique. So you answer the questions and they match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress. If you like a mattress that's soft or firm, or, you know, if you sleep on your side or your back or your stomach, or if you sleep really hot like I do, with Helix, there's a specific mattress for each and everybody's unique taste. Uh, I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I like a medium firm bed and I sleep on my side, so it's perfect for me. But you don't need to take my word for it or Mandy's word for it or Joelle or Jordan or anybody else who says it's the best thing ever. Helix was awarded number one best overall mattress pick for 2019 and now 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. So just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, by the way, and you get to try it for 100 sleeps risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will love it, I promise. And Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off. All right, welcome back. We're talking to Lincoln's Bible, LB from Twitter and the Narrative Podcast. They just had Jill Weinbanks on as a guest, who is a gem. You need to listen to that podcast. Oh, it's so good, too. And, and she talks about her um, her journey as a woman, too, and because and so, it's, it's part of that. And that is part of her book as well. But, I mean, just like it's so great to be talking to you after talking to her because it's it, – it is unique for us, right? I mean, it, we it, it, trying to strive and have a career and being fearless in a world where we have a lot of male domination um, in in jobs and positions, and you know, um, so it was it was it was incredible to sort of 
talk about that in that vein with her while also simultaneously going, yeah, and Ivanka's in this, you know, don't lay off her just because she's a woman. So carrying both sides of that conversation um, as we sort of forge ahead. Now with our new VP, Kamala Harris, right? Like it's, it's so great. Yeah. I am so, so happy. It's really great. Um, Yeah. This is going to be amazing, an amazing race, an amazing victory, an amazing administration and or at least uh, i would i would take I, it doesn't even have to be amazing it just has to be quiet it just has to be <laughs> it just has to be regular i'm gonna cough from that um oh, yeah it just has to be just stop just don't tweet yeah don't tweet. although i I'm, i do yeah. say it's going to be amazing because we do have to rebuild we have to build back better which is his, his yeah. campaign slogan we do have to rebuild our broken justice system and our trash intelligence yeah. community. And I, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Because the last time I had you on okay. the show, we talked about what's up with all the secrecy when you get to a point where the secrecy is more harmful than the spilling the secrets is. What is the mm-hmm. point of it? And now we've got mm-hmm. Warner on the Senate Intelligence Committee ready to like tell everybody, mm-hmm. get everybody and tell them. Yes, he is. About yes. what is going on with these intelligence briefings with Russia. With currently, a... cur- our current yes. situation that we're, ba- this isn't past stuff. This is like what we're, f- what we're in currently and what we're flying towards, what we know is coming for us. Yeah, and I've been asking and you've been, we've been talking about this. Why don't they release it, release the bats, release them now, release the Kraken uh, under the speech and debate, speech or debate clause. Uh, Mike Gravel did this uh, back when he read the Pentagon Papers into the record in like a mm-hmm. in like a gardening mm-hmm. committee or something, and mm-hmm. um, that is what needs to be done. And Diane Feinstein actually unilaterally released the Fusion GPS transcript. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. Yeah, so and that's really important because people actually didn't read then what she did, and they should have because right there on like page in the first like. I think it's even the first 50 pages mm-hmm. is Semyon Mogilevich, right, is the fact that, you know, the president launders money for, for the worst uh, organized crime lords uh, on the planet. Um, that's in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We... <laughs> that's in what Diane said. And journalists weren't picking it up. They weren't reading it. So he, uh, he certainly can do that. This, this now comes off of the shoulders of our intelligence community. Marco Rubio even said that. Marco Rubio was like, yeah. he can, but I would be, I advise caution. You're like, fuck. fuck well, you. so what? And Cory Booker did it too with, with the Kavanaugh hearing. He, mm-hmm. he started releasing mm-hmm. stuff. And, um, and, and that's when all of a sudden we got uh, sideswiped with, um, you know, it all being about uh, this, uh, you know, teenagers and assault. Right, right. Because right. um, Booker was... Booker was releasing the documents around the money and around the political operations uh, that Kavanaugh had been involved with. And boom, then next thing we know, okay, we're in a different conversation now. So look for that kind of stuff, too, around all of this. But Warner certainly has, I feel like that was, I do feel like that was like a little bit of a trial balloon of like, this might be coming almost like a dare, right? What are you going to do? And he certainly should just do it. Just do it. He has to. Somebody has to start doing the work of exposing what they all know. It's not okay to keep it from us anymore. It's not okay. It's, all, we're, it's our national security. Yeah. We can compare this to the reticence of the Obama administration talking about 2016 election interference. And of course, Mitch McConnell had a big hand in that. But uh, yes, he did. But Obama should have, we have a lot of shoulda, woulda, coulda, yes. right? With looking back on that, yeah. that what we had wished we had had. And I do think it was a mistake. I do think Obama made some mistakes. It would also have been great if the New York Times didn't put out a headline saying there was nothing going on. That would have been helpful. Oh, my God. They still haven't corrected that, right? Yeah. They've proven they can correct headlines when they corrected their shit real quick over that Maureen Dowd oh, d- you know, d- disaster. So we know they can, we know they can correct stuff. Um, but they won't with that. They won't touch that. For the listeners, what the, they did this, Maureen Dowd did this story that said, it's been since Geraldine Ferraro, since there's been a man and a woman on a, on a ticket for Democrat. And, and Hillary right. Clinton's like, did I sleep through 2016 or is Maureen? <laughs> we either had a shared hallucination or she's been in the, she's, she's back again in the pot brownies. Pot brownies. Right? I love that little thing. I said, I said, back in there. Again. Mm, I was like Hills. I was like da da. Don't blame. Don't blame oh. the weed, Hillary. Come on. <laughs> well, you know, no doubt. But but she. Oh, she. That was a deserved pop to cognitive functioning. 
Um, the the and and also, uh, unfortunately, Hillary retweeted like they they took that tweet down and then put a different one in, and Hillary didn't know that and retweeted the one where they all of a sudden made this this nice little parsing of like since a man put a woman yeah. on the ticket instead of just since a man and a woman shared a ticket. Yeah, she didn't do a screenshot. Always get the screenshot. Never, <laughs> never. Sh- yeah, don't, don't. And archive is even better. If you've got legal stuff you got to deal with, just learn how to archive real quick before it disappears. Um, so, okay, where we were before we were talking oh, about Oh, we were talking Dowd. about uh, we were- secrecy, and we're talking about Warner possibly reading what's yeah. going on in the 2020 election interference with Russia, and this, this intelligence report from Avenina yeah. that equated what China is doing with what Russia is doing was absolute bullshit. Okay, this is a big problem. Yeah, I'm, this is, I'm, I'm, calling, I'm calling everybody out on this, mm-hmm. right? Everybody needs to be called out on this that's going to participate in now the new sport, um, you know, the way, the way to treat in, information out of our intelligence agencies is not to treat it like a, a sporting match game if you know better, right, and where you know better. You shouldn't do it anyway, but especially where you know better. And all of our main media outlets, they have intelligence experts on their staff. They have people. They have contacts. They know better than to reduce it to, well, China's for Joe and Russia's for Trump and Iran is in there. They look like they're for Joe and make it this game, this sporting match. That is not what that intelligence was saying Mm -hmm. at all. There was a marked difference, right? They're saying they're picking up sort of like there's a difference between, okay, maybe China's sort of softening on Trump a little bit, thinking, okay, well, you know, Biden would be better for us. There's a big difference. We do that all the time, too. Okay, this this next new president over here and, you know, in, in Ukraine would be better for us than this other one. We think there's problems. There. That's common. That's that's just the world. That's the, that's how everybody talks. That's how, you know, uh, nation states evaluate and their intelligence services and the State Departments evaluate the goings-on in other countries all over the world. There's a big difference with that and direct hostile interference being attacked. Mm -hmm. Russia is attacking us on behalf Mm -hmm. of Trump. They're crafting shit to get Trump in there. They're doing things like what we just discussed with Ron Uh Johnson, and he's participating in it. And and hacking voter systems and tallies. Hacking Mm -hmm. voter systems and doing – this is quantitatively different. It's not even in the same universe. And it's wonderful Daniel Goldsman, who I also love – um, you know, he, he was uh, part of the, uh, uh, the House Intelligence uh, Committee side of the impeachment um, uh, of Trump and worked really hard on that. And he was the one that everybody would recognize interviewing uh, uh, all kinds of people as the House Intelligence Committee was pulling them in to understand what had happened yep. with Ukraine. And so, and Daniel did like a real short thread, but it was wonderful where he just sort of, he made that distinction. Do not equate yep. these things. And, and I can just see it. I can see it coming. I can see we're going to turn on to any news program and they're going to still sport it as if it's the same thing to where the Trump camp can say, well, yeah, sure, Russia supports that, but China supports <laughs> Joe, right? And, and everything becomes into this, falls into a false equivalency to the degree that our actual national security is actually at risk from the false equivalency oh, yeah. itself. You're, you're threatening us with these words. I spoke to Frank Figluzzi, who said China, oh, China is going it. to be the fall guy for the for the rigged election, uh, combined with, you know, the mail, the, the post office not being able to deliver ballots on time. And uh, and we need to not fall into the China trap by by holding China up and praising China as something great, but also just getting the facts out there about what's actually going on with China. And then I spoke to Sam Vinograd yesterday because, you know, she's national security advisor, mm-hmm. uh, top advisor to former mm-hmm. national security advisors, two of them. And yep. I was like, is it true that the national security advisor job is not to talk about foreign leadership conversations? <laughs> with the, and she's like, I'm, uh, it was like one of those, I can't believe I have to ask you this question. And she's like, I can't believe I have to answer it. And, you know, we've talked about that. But yeah. she also talked about, she wrote a piece for CNN about this false equivalency with China. And I, I, I have yeah. to say that I I think that a lot of the problems that are uh, stemming from from this kind of bullshit whitewashed intelligence reporting not only comes from the chilling effect that Trump has put on it by saying, I don't want to hear about Russia, but 
It comes right. from the, the the our DNI is ineffective, an ineffective idiot. I mean, we Mueller said when Mueller testified yeah. in July, the single most important thing we can do to protect ourselves from foreign interference in our elections is by ensuring the intelligence community is sharing intelligence between agencies, and that is what the job of the DNI is. And and that's right, the DNI is not doing that. He created all that. It was Mueller who came in and really did that um, reorganizing of how our intelligence agencies should and can communicate with one another after 9/11. This is what this is this is what this man did for us, and it's also why he was, if you even just to circle it back around to, to the interference, right? That already did happen, right? If you, in watching all that, and I know you've covered this, but it's great to remind listeners, right? Watch, re, at some point we will rewatch even Mueller's hearings, right? Where he was, he was speaking to the House committees and, and uh, about what was in his report. And the obstruction of justice, you can tell that part of the investigation, um, he was fully aware of it, he knew it, but it's not like he could by memory, figure out what page Jerry Nadler no. might have been talking about, right? <laughs> like, okay, well, let me see the page, because they always want to be, you know, these, these incredible prosecutors always want to be, they're so mm-hmm. careful with making sure everything's actually said and parsed in language specifically to what will accord the, the facts in the letter of the law. Well, Mueller was a volume, Mueller was a volume one guy. He was a volume one guy, that's my point. <laughs> yeah. So when he's talking about volume one, he didn't have to no. look at anything. He was just like lasered in, and he knew he knew the page numbers, he knew the he knew the language, he knew the accounts because he knew this is the threat. Yes, of course, mobsters obstruct. Trump's a mobster. I've done it for decades. You know, I put all his friends away, and and he's going to obstruct. He's going to obstruct obstruction, mm-hmm. obstruction. Yes, and it's horrible crimes and terrible, right? However, the threat to us as a nation, the threat to our national security, is yeah. this. Is this. Our democracy, our democratic processes are under attack. We are being attacked. Mm-hmm. And, and these guys, you know, coming out of the Kremlin, they're so good at what they do. They've been doing this Decades. for so long. They're sloppy Decades. where they're messy, but they know what they're doing. They, they know how to get in there with propaganda. They know how to get in there with fake fucking intelligence. They know how to infiltrate and, and subvert an entire political party. Mm-hmm. They do. They've been doing it all over the planet, all over Europe. They've been doing this. So they knew how to do it. LB, here's hoping Mark Warner releases some of this information. I, I don't... Be better. If the intelligence community doesn't um, leak it first. But I, I, really hope that, I really hope that he reads yeah. this into the record. We'll see how that goes. Um, Biden-Harris 2020. <laughs> Biden-Harris! Check out Lincoln's Bible on Twitter. Listen to the Narrative Podcast, especially this last episode with Joe Winebanks. But every episode is great. Thank you. Just love that, Joe Winebanks. Thanks for being with me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're so welcome. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.